I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. I'm really excited about today's guest. I'm interviewing my colleague and friend, Kim Roy, and she's coming on to talk about anger. Kim has never had a drinking problem, and yet she identifies as a woman in recovery. She's recovering from anger. And I think you're going to find her story fascinating. The idea that we have to recover from anger just dovetails into my beliefs that recovery is not about alcohol. You're either suffering from past traumas, childhood traumas, or you're in recovery from them. We're all recovering from something. So Kim used to identify as Spicy Kim. She had a quick fuse, and she believed that going from zero to screw you in 10 seconds or less was just hardwired into her personality. And in many ways, she liked that about herself. She liked her bold aggressiveness. Her ability to cut the crap and tell it like it is really served her well. But for her, there were two major stress events in her life that kind of sent her into a tailspin. And then one day, her husband gave her an ultimatum. And that was when she finally decided to address what was really going on, and she found the courage to ask for help. She decided to stop suppressing the anger and the rage that was eating her alive and figure out how to heal. And the first step was to let go of that part of her personality. You know, and I really resonate with that. In early 2020, when I still thought vodka was part of my self-care routine, I also saw drinking as part of my identity. And I had a huge misconception that quitting would actually disconnect me from my own spunky, smarky, sassy version of myself. And I liked her. And she liked to drink. I mean, what are you going to do? I didn't want to lose her. I didn't want to lose that part of myself. I just really needed to lose the hangover. And I will be honest, you know, taking a break from alcohol did change how I roll for a while. Recovery requires a lot of introspection. I didn't so much feel like a bird with clipped wings, though, so much as a chameleon who was regrowing her tail. You know that analogy about the tail wagging the dog? That is how I now see emotional intelligence, or the lack thereof. You know, identifying as a wine and vodka connoisseur created a pattern of behavior that meant my emotions were wagging me. They were controlling my thoughts and opinions and my behaviors. And that meant that my subconscious was running the show, not just with alcohol, but with everything, which is why my life felt like Groundhog Day, the episode where nothing ever changes. You know, emotions are memories. They are subconscious lessons that we learned, air quotes around learned, in the past. You know, those lessons aren't big T truth, but they become our truth. Our brain associates this with that, and it forms a conclusion. 
And unless you're paying attention and decide otherwise, that starts to mean this in other situations too. That's what learning is. And whenever you are not consciously managing your emotions, which by definition means you're living in the past, if you're not consciously managing your emotions, they're managing you. The tail is wagging the dog, so to speak which is why I needed to take a break from alcohol and grow a new damn tail because my beliefs had been corrupted by a lot of assumptions that weren't true. Like alcohol connects me with my spunky, snarky, and sassy self. That was totally false. Over drinking was intoxicating my conscious awareness. It was suppressing my power to choose a more intelligent response in any given situation. And the most common mistake that we all make is to try to use willpower to control our behavior and suppress our emotions. But that's the problem, not the solution. The emotion, uh, the truth, you know, it's the lesson that's buried in our subconscious. That truth isn't going to go away. The pressure just builds and builds. And then a stressful event or something exceeds our capacity to deal with it, pushes us over the edge and we lose our shit. For me, I lost my shit in the COVID lockdowns. My drinking had escalated so much pain in my life that it was just intolerable. And now I'm so grateful for that because I couldn't change the way I drank until I unlearned my beliefs about alcohol. So that's what Kim and I are going to talk about today. And then I just want to give you a heads up. Look for a second episode this week from me on Thursday. Um, Rita Black, the hypnotherapist, is back, and she's returning to the show to discuss nighttime eating, which for many of us rears its head when we try to quit drinking. You know, my main snack in the evening was vodka, and I didn't really struggle with self-control around food as a drinker. It wasn't until I quit drinking that like, whoa, some nights I felt like a rabid dog on a feeding frenzy. And so Rita is back because I've had a lot of requests for this topic, and she's going to share her strategies that she uses as a hypnotherapist with her clients to interrupt the patterns of nightly eating because it is a pattern. She talks about the pattern of threes, which I never really connected before, but yeah, it all makes sense. We eat salty, sweet, salty, or we tend to go sweet, salty, sweet, like whatever. I'm a salty person, so I went salty, sweet, salty. And when she explained that, it really clicked in the into place. And so on Thursday, on the episode I'm going to release, she's going to share how to interrupt the patterns. Um, and most of us try to use the willpower, right, to fight the patterns. And she's going to explain how what we really have to do is shift our focus, not from what we're trying to not do, but actually to create a new identity around what we are trying to do. Like I'm the type of person that fasts from after dinner through breakfast. And that is then how we create new patterns to align with that identity. You know, you can't just like avoid the old patterns. You have to bring and create new patterns. And I got to tell you, Rita's kind of a big deal. She's a clinical hypnotherapist in LA and she's been doing it for over 20 years. And she's got several A-listers who brag that she was able to help them quit smoking after a single session with her. She's now focusing on smoking and eating, and she's taken her practice online, which is actually how I met her. We're both in a mastermind for digital course creators. 
So I'm giving her an episode kind of standalone release on Thursday this week because she's got a free masterclass coming up on September 19th, and she's going to be teaching how to use hypnosis to break through that weight struggle cycle because it is a cycle, right? And then you can lose weight, keep it off consistently and permanently. And I wanted you to hear the episode so that you have enough time to sign up for her free masterclass if you're interested. So check that out on Thursday and enjoy today's episode. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And the reason I'm looking forward to it is because my audience mostly comes into recovery under the sobriety umbrella, thinking that we have a problem with alcohol and we have to fix that and get over that. And what I absolutely love is the longer I spend in recovery and the more I work with clients, it's just not about alcohol. And it is so refreshing to realize that if you're living life right, everybody's recovering from something. And so I love your story about recovering from anger and perfectionism. And I want to just introduce you a little bit about who you are and what you do. You can talk about maybe how we came to know each other. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Colleen. It's a pleasure. And you're absolutely right. Recovery, so often we think of the term recovery as recovering from an addiction of some kind, right? Be it alcohol or substance abuse. But you're right. There's recovery from so many different aspects. And I think every single one of us, we all carry with us wounds of some kind. We can call it childhood trauma, any other form of trauma, whatever you want to call it. We all carry with us some wounds and we all have our own healing to do. And that healing is very much recovery. So yeah, so thank you. So the way we know each other, so well, I, you are my client as I do some professional pitching for you, specifically podcast pitching to get you guesting on some aligned podcast for you to help you expand your reach and your visibility. And that's how we really got connected was through that avenue. And then through learning so much more about each other, we thought, well, hell, why not feature each other on each other's podcasts? <laughs> because I didn't know you had a podcast. I felt like an asshole. But then I'm like, well, this is a professional relationship. It's not my job to know everything about you. But the day I figured out you had a podcast and then I went and listened to it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I had no idea that you had this whole other dimension of, again, your own recovery and talking about perfectionism and all of the things that once we get alcohol out of the way, like I don't say I'm in recovery from alcohol use disorder anymore. I'm a recovering perfectionist, a recovering from just all sorts of truthfully mental health issues. But like you referred to, just the childhood traumas and the ingrained patterns that we pick up from our environment that aren't healthy, that aren't functional, and that are just our normal. It's like being a fish in a fishbowl. Like you can't see where you're getting in your own way or where you are living in shame or fear and how that affects you. So it was really a breath of fresh air to discover your podcast and then realize we had so much more to talk about than just me. Yeah, no, I appreciate that so much. And to your point, no need to feel like an asshole at all. I don't know why. Truly, I birthed my podcast before I birthed my business. And, uh -huh. and where my podcast is so personal to me, it's so it's my personal story. 
And I've always kept both worlds separate and I'm still actively recovering in my anger. So I don't know where you'd love, if you want me to share my story, I'd be happy to. I would love to hear your story. Let's do it. All right. Absolutely. My story, I say it starts in 2019 and it really does. A lot of the pieces unfolded for me in 2019. I had some traumatic events that happened at that point. And now through my own growth journey, my own healing journey, in hindsight, I'm realizing that I actually truly lived with anger my entire life. As a child, I was often coined Spicy Kim or, oh, the kim Tood. And I didn't really care to be coined that, but I also didn't think anything differently about it. And of course, when you're a child, you don't think of yourself as having anger or an anger problem. I just assumed this is who I am, right? So I always just humored them back. and Hell yeah, Spicy Kim. And I owned it. And what happened in 2019 So I was six months pregnant with my daughter. I have one. So she was my firstborn. She was born in April 2019. And my father passed away quite suddenly, very unexpectedly and traumatically. There was an incident that happened that contributed to his passing that we learned about that was, it was really quite an unjust situation actually. So there's a lot of pain there, a lot of, again, just keeping that persona of strength. And ultimately what ended up happening is anger took over right? So it was such a huge trigger for my underlying anger that had remained stagnant within me, right? The spicy Kim, the tood Kim, and that just exploded. But I didn't realize it then either. It just became my identity. And it was just a part of who I was. And so a lot of what was happening is I acted out my anger. So instead of actually allowing myself the time to grieve my father, allowing myself the space I needed to feel my emotions and to really feel and just be with myself. So there was so much damage with my anger that had already been done at that point. And uh, yeah, just like slamming cupboards, just really just angry. And it ended up having an impact on my marriage. A lot of my pain was causing my husband pain. And when I say he was my rock, he very much was my rock. So he took it on. He took it all on and didn't share with me how he was feeling. So it wasn't until two years after my father passed that we had the falling out that I thank every day because it was the wake up call that I truly needed to bring me back to reality and to really say, okay, yeah, I need help. I need help with this. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you moved from being a for lack of a better word, a victim of your own anger. Mm -hmm. It was running your show. So you were not in control of it. You were just trying to suppress it and manage your behavior. How did you go from that to a clear understanding that you are in recovery from anger? You know, with substance abuse, it's pretty straightforward. It's called the day I quit drinking or the day I got help for that. But with anger, I don't imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a specific diagnosis. You don't go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you have a disease called anger and here's medication or here's treatment. So how do you define the line between suffering from anger and recovering from anger? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. I was a victim of my own anger. And I think so often we fall victim to our own circumstances. And then we find comfort in that victimhood because we seek rescuing. We want someone else to come to our rescue. We want someone else to take the pain away. And when that doesn't happen, we just dwell on our own shit really is what ends up happening. 
And yeah, after that falling out with my husband and he opened up to me about how he was feeling, he (laughs) at that point provided some pretty black and white examples of my behavior. And that really is what brought it to my awareness. That is when it allowed me the opportunity to reflect on my behavior. And I had no way of denying it because he was 100% right. And I, I just, I remember sitting there, we we're sitting in the backyard together in tears, and he's just sharing all of this with me. And I'm just, I had nothing to say, but you're right. You're so right. I did all of that. I picked all those petty. I, and so that brought me back to reality and that brought my behavior to my awareness. And The first step to healing anything, and I would say the same is true, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the same is true for alcohol or addiction, is awareness. Awareness of and admitting I have a problem. And so that was my first step was the awareness and saying, yeah, I have a problem. And even then, I don't even know that I was like, oh yeah, I have an anger problem. I just knew I needed help. And so I immediately sought therapy. And, and then it was through my journey through just a traditional talk therapist that I started learning that what I had been experiencing was anger because I was suppressing so much beneath the surface. So anger is a secondary emotion. So usually when anger comes up, there's something else beneath the surface there, be it sadness, be it grief, shame, guilt, whatever that is, there's something else underneath. And anger is like a form of protection. It's there Mm -hmm. to protect you because you don't want to feel the discomfort of those rather uncomfortable feelings, right? And so when I say I had an armor of strength on, there was an armor of strength, but my strength was my anger. I was using it to fuel me forward and to keep me going every single day. And so, yeah, it was really awareness, therapy, lots of therapy, lots of talking about it. Through therapy, I also realized that I was going through a depression. I didn't realize that either. And in hindsight, I probably had postpartum depression as well, which really didn't help anything in the moment either. But yeah. So I just really took, it was like one step at a time, peeling back the layers of the onion. And when I say that, I really truly mean there's so many layers to it. Cause I even remember several months into my journey at this point, my healing journey at this point, I remember I had made such significant progress. I was doing a lot better. I was more aware of myself. So if I felt the anger come on, rather than just it all out consuming me, I was aware. I could take a step back and think, okay, I'm feeling anger come up. And I knew at that point that I needed to step away from whatever the circumstance was to allow myself the space to process what it is that I was feeling and really understand it. But I remember after making significant process. I was doing so much better. My husband and I were in a better place too. I remember going through a period where I felt really down and so sad. And I remember being hard on myself about it, thinking, um, well, what am I doing wrong? I, I was feeling like, oh, these old patterns are resurfacing. I was feeling myself getting more easily triggered, more short-tempered, impatient. But I was it wasn't anger. It was sadness. And I remember talking to my therapist about it and she said, well, of course you feel sad. She said, this entire time, anger has been controlling the show. And now that you've worked through that and you've peeled back the layer of anger, the next layer is sadness because you've been suppressing it all this time. So you now need to allow yourself to feel that and process that. So it's been quite the journey. And 
along with therapy, I actually also sought myself a life coach. I'm still very much a part of that community to this day. It's a community of amazing women who have helped me tenfold. I mean, I just say community is so incredibly important to anybody's healing journey because it's hard to do it on our own. We're not meant to do it on our own. And I think the beauty of surrounding yourself with community is also realizing that you are not alone. There's so many other people who are also healing their own wounds, whatever the case may be. And I realized truly I was in good company. I realized that all of these other women too were experiencing anger in one way, shape, or another. Just everybody shows it differently. Everybody feels it differently. Everybody's experience is very individualized and personalized to themselves. But yeah, so to get from I have an anger problem to recovering is that this is an ongoing journey. I still have anger come up. I still have perfectionistic tendencies come up. And it's I I show up every day for myself and I do the work. I do the emotionally uncomfortable work to connect with myself internally and to make sure that I'm giving all of my feelings and emotions the attention that they are seeking from me. So I'm drawing parallels to my own recovery and that conversation that you had with your husband. I would love to hear from your perspective what it felt like to take ownership and admit that anger is a problem because I have to imagine that admitting I had a drinking problem was really hard for me because I didn't want to tell my husband that because I assumed then that I would be carrying the burden of every problem we had in our marriage because we were having marital issues too. That's actually why I decided to quit drinking. I mean, I was such a hot mess. Why did I decide to quit drinking? But that was one of the the prompts was that, okay, if I'm going to be getting another divorce, I'm not going to go through this drunk. So that was one, like, I need to get my stuff together because this isn't going to work out. And I remember not wanting to tell him that I was quitting drinking because I didn't want to take full responsibility. And I can only imagine that it would be harder if it, anger was the problem, because if you have anger, there's a story in your head, that guy's the problem and that he deserves all the stuff you're putting on him. So how in that moment did you balance the vulnerability with with allowing with also protecting yourself from being the butt of being the butt of the problem and he has no problems or this isn't an us issue, it's all me? What did that feel like? Oh, Such a great question. And even as you're asking me that, I'm back in that moment feeling the feelings I felt in that moment. Yeah. Oh my God. There was so much shame. (laughs) So much shame. With every fight I picked with my husband, I I realize now I actually ended up writing a story about it, which which is really what I birthed my podcast with. But I wrote a story about it. And because I, in my journey, I really took on journaling. I had really resisted journaling for so long, but There's something beautiful about putting pen to paper and really allowing everything to just come out. And I realized, again, not in the moment, but in hindsight, that with every fight I picked with my husband, it was a cry for help. It was a cry for, again, seeking rescuing without subconscious, though. It was like unaware that this is what I was doing. But now in hindsight, I realized that's what I was doing. And in that, that fight that really really was like the wake up call that we needed. I remember in the heat of the moment, looking at him, I threw my hands up in the air and I just yelled, something's got to give. 
And it did. He broke down. And I had never seen my husband so vulnerable like that before, that that brought me back down. And then when he started opening up to me too, I mean, he opened up about harboring resentment against me for a while, really even questioning his love for me. And so I even took victim to that in the moment because I remember saying, you mean you've been questioning your love for me for this long without telling me? You you look at me in the face every day and you tell me you love me and you're acting like nothing's wrong, but you've been... And so I really harbored... Vic- I played that victim role in that moment. But then I also took a step back and I thought, wait a minute, Kim, your marriage is on the brinks. Like you are on the verge of having a broken family and there are two stories to every situation. There's two parties to every situation. So although there may be some things that he could have done better, there were a lot of things that I could have done better too. And so I really just remember in that moment, I do not want to lose my husband. I do not want to lose the love of my life. I do not want my daughter to grow up in a broken family because of my doing. And so it was just a harsh reality. It was a wake-up call for me to just be like, you need to take a look at yourself. And it was so hard. It was really so hard. I had so much shame about it. And I remember even in the early days, he obviously needed someone to talk to. So he wanted to talk to his friends about it and his buddies about it. And I didn't want him to. I was like, I I held so much shame on the anger that I'm like, what are people going to think of me? Oh yeah, that perfectionism coming up hardcore, like worrying about what other people would think, worrying about judgment coming my way. When in reality, I was judging myself. I was judging myself for harboring that anger and for taking it out on my husband, why would I do such a thing? And I wasn't, it was never intentional. I was not ever intentionally trying to hurt my husband or to cause him pain. I was in pain. And yeah. and that's ultimately what happened. Yeah, there was a lot of shame there. And then it, again, it was through the awareness, peeling back the layers and just trying to put myself in his shoes and hold the compassion of, okay, I understand you need to talk to people. I get it. Do it. And I sat in my own discomfort. And that was really when I learned to sit in the the emotionally uncomfortable feelings that just was spiraling at that point. Yeah. And then the shame slowly dissipated because when I entered the community with my life coach and I started sharing my story more and more, I started healing more. And that was also like a, the key to me of, oh, I, in order to heal this, I need to talk about it. I can't just hold it in. I need to talk about it. Yeah. And now, I mean, I talk openly about it. <laughs> so what I'd love to hear is how how it worked out in terms of restoring the balance of power in your marriage. When In the moment that you said, okay, I'm willing to allow the story for now to be that I have an anger problem like the problem in our marriage, like I'm willing to let, to agree to that story. And that probably feels really powerless, Hmm. but I know with the way I work with emotional sobriety, it's like once you realize you're the problem, then you also become the solution and that restores your power. And I'd like to hear how a few years later, how surrendering in that moment and taking responsibility actually affected you, the power balance in your marriage, your ability to set boundaries, your ability to ask for what you need, 
like, I'm assuming that this has had a positive outcome and that you're not still walking around with a big A on your shirt. I'm in recovery from (laughs) anger and watch out. But how did, how did taking full responsibility actually lead to liberation? Yeah. And it really did. And I remember in that moment when I took that responsibility, I was just, I was desperate at that point. I was like, okay, I was at my low of lows. I'm like, at this point, I have nothing else to lose. So I'm either going to go all in and take ownership and do this, or I'm walking away. And I have never in my entire life been one to walk away ever. And I would say that's a positive attribute of perfectionism is just being that achiever, that go-getter, not not wanting to, well, not wanting to lose. And it's not that it was a game, but I had so much at stake that I it, it was too much for me to lose, not to really take a hard look at myself. And yeah, I did. I felt so powerless and that shame made me feel so powerless too. But through being able to work through that, take ownership over it and talk about it more It opened up the communication in my relationship with my husband too. And so we, I started sharing more with him about how I was feeling and why I was feeling certain ways. And so he was able to see me from a different light too. He was able to see my anger um, as the pain that it was and not so much as, because he was obviously taking it personally initially Mm -hmm. and rightfully I would have too. But he just started seeing more of me. I The vulnerability allowed for that door to open so that he could see another side of me and he could see me for who I am and all of me. And I think in a way, when I said earlier too that anger is like a form of protection and it was protecting me from the discomfort of the sadness and the grieving and all of that bullshit that we don't want to ever deal with, but it's so important to deal with. I think in a way too, it was protecting me from allowing people to really see me and all of me. That's vulnerable, right? So it was Mm -hmm. protecting me from being vulnerable. But when I started allowing myself to be vulnerable, yeah, he was able to see me from a different light and understand me from a different perspective. And that created more of that power balance in our relationship. And now, yeah, we're just in a different place. I mean, we still have our own stuff that we're working through, but it's not with the big A on my chest. And so, yeah, there's a lot of liberation in taking ownership over our own stuff. Yeah. So how did running on anger and perfectionism, how has your life changed from the outside looking in? Because One of the biggest misconceptions I think that we have is that if we allow our feelings to be part of the equation and we deal with them, or we address the unrealistic expectations that perfectionism creates, that somehow we're going to become lazy, underachieving, half-assers. And it's it looks to me like you've got multiple businesses and you're raising a child and everything's going well. So it doesn't seem like you've taken a big step back in the external productivity metrics that we all use. So how is life different now? And what are you doing specifically that allows you to still accomplish all the things you want to and deal with those pesky emotions? Yeah, I approach life 
today. I mean, I'm still the high achiever. And like I said, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I, I still have those high achiever characteristics about me. I'm a very ambitious individual. And in really going through this journey, I think there was a lot of fear too of shedding and letting go of that identity. Because when you, when we, I mean, regardless of if you're on a journey or not, healing journey or not, we evolve as humans. We evolve all the time. But when it's an, atten- an intentional evolution and you're literally shedding an identity, you're also grieving the loss of your old self. So there was a lot of fear there too initially when, of who, who's, who am I without anger? It, who mm. is Kim without anger? There was a lot of yeah. fear there. But yeah. ultimately I knew – and. When you start down a journey like this too, it's so important to define your why. Why Mm -hmm. are you doing this? And a lot of the times it's hard to do it for ourselves because again, it's more comfortable to be in that victimhood and to fall victim to the circumstances. So it's, oh, I'll just stay here and linger in here because it's more comfortable here. So if you're making an intentional decision to evolve and to really work on yourself, really honing in on why are you doing it? For me... I mean, yes, for my marriage, of course, but for my daughter, I wanted to, I did not want her to grow up with a mother who has anger issues. And she was my why for so long. She was my why of my anchor that I held on to. I really, everything I did because I wanted to empower her and to lead by example and to show her that you can be everything you want to be and not let, you know, the driving forces drive you, like in my situation, anger, right? And if anything, the way I approach life now, yeah, there's still a lot of ambition and perfectionism there. However, I'm looking at it through a whole other lens. I just see life with so much more beauty now because I'm way more connected with myself. And being more connected to myself through allowing myself to feel those feelings, those emotions, everything, I trust myself. I trust my decisions. I mean, I still, again, there's still fear there that drives takes the driving wheel a little bit, the driver's seat a little bit. And then it's like the question of, can I trust myself? But I do trust myself more now. I listen to my intuition and having that connection with myself allows for me to have more of that connection with others, right? With my daughter, with my husband, with my, with my mother. And, and I will say it also with my father beyond the grave. I just have a spiritual connection to him now. And so I am really, truly taking my story and rather than letting it define me as a problem that I'm still trying to work on, I'm using it to propel me forward in a positive way. I'm using it to help others. I'm using it to inspire others. And and so, yes, in the community that I'm in now, I'm also a mentor inside that community now. So I'm also working with other women one-on-one. I birthed my podcast to sh- publicly share my story, put it out into the world, and to, again, to help others, to inspire others. And it's also a beautiful platform for others who are ready to open up about their stories to come on and share as well. And I will say that this evolution has allowed me to see other desires of mine. So often we go through life 
not knowing what we want, right? We don't, oh, I don't know what I want. And we all have desires within us, but it's about uncovering what those desires are. And through this process and through this evolution for myself and grieving my old identity and shifting into my new identity, I was really able to see that I desired more than what I had. So what I mean by that professionally, I was in corporate. I have a corporate background. I had been in corporate for 20 years and it was just actually just last year that I was like, I desire something more. And I didn't know what that was, but I allowed myself to be curious. And that's the beauty of it too, is just allowing yourself to be curious without having any attachment to the outcome. And that's what I mean by I see life in just a different perspective now with so much more beauty. And I'm so much more present too and in the moment. And and yeah, so it's even allowed me to birth my business. And here I am. I'm just a different woman today. Now you can even ask some of my really good friends and they'll say, goodness, Kim circa 2016 even is not the same Kim that you are today. I've just evolved into just a more compassionate, caring, loving human being. It's really beautiful. It's messy. It's freaking messy, but it's also really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, if I could tease out, I hear two factors that really have defined the after versus the before. And that is somehow you figured out that all your thoughts aren't true and to start thinking about the way you think, noticing the patterns, noticing the knee-jerk responses and putting some space in there between first thought and what are the other options for perceiving and behaving and all of that. So it sounds somehow you got that meta thinking where you're noticing your thoughts. And then the second thing I heard which I also believe is the foundation of recovery, is a relationship with yourself and how the way you talk to yourself, relating to yourself, realizing that shame as a feeling is not something you press down because it means something is wrong with you. It's something that in the right space, you pull up and examine and heal so that you are no longer that your biggest bully fueling yourself on shame and anger, but actually, like you said, compassion. And when you have compassion for yourself, it is so much easier to have compassion for other people. Do you have any thoughts about how you were able to, like literally thoughts in your head or activities that you do, maybe helpful practices that helped you heal your relationship with yourself? Because I think that's the hardest thing. That's like trying to nail jello to a tree until I think you get it. How do you fix your relationship with yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly all of what you said is 100% spot on. It all comes back to awareness. Like I was saying at the beginning, being aware of your thoughts and understanding that not all thoughts are facts. So separating that fact from fiction. And really the steps that I took, I – like I'm motivated by productivity. So a lot of the times, and I'm still guilty of this to this day, a lot of times it's just staying busy, right? Staying busy. Old Kim will say, would just roll out of bed and not even have breakfast, just go, right? Jump in the shower, got to get to work, go like all the time, right? Just that constant busy. And the first step in my journey is, was putting myself on the calendar. And I think that's the most important thing that anybody should do always is we 
naturally do so much for others, especially as women. We do so much for others. We give of ourselves to others. And I think that's really tied to, for me anyway, that productivity of go is so give and never taking time for myself. So really it was putting myself on the calendar first, forcing myself to get up even five to 10 minutes earlier to do a little journaling in the morning. And journaling in the morning for me back then looked a lot different than it does now. Even that has evolved because I resisted it and I was just like, how? How do I how does someone journal? How do you do that? Right. And it's literally, I mean, it's it I started with just putting whatever came to my head on paper. I fucking hate this. I just want coffee right now. I don't want to work today. I hate my life. I, whatever, whatever came to my head, I would just write. Now my journaling looks a lot differently. And this, and I want your listeners to understand too that this was an evolution in and of itself, right? So within my own journey of evolving, every step that I took and every action that I took and every action I still take to this day is also an evolution in and of itself. So just using journaling as a perfect example, my journaling today looks a lot different. Now I allow for a solid half hour of me time with my paper and it's me getting connected with my feelings. So every single morning, I call it like a meditative journaling session. I sit really quietly with myself. I put my hands on my heart, close my eyes, take some deep breaths. First of all, I really get one and one on my with myself, right? So I I I will say some affirmations. I say, I love you and I'm listening. Really just to open up that mind-body connection. I love you and I'm listening. And then I ask myself, how are you feeling? And I trust what comes up, whatever that might be. Maybe I'm feeling happy one day. Maybe I'm feeling anger another day. This morning, what came up for me is I was feeling reserved, like guarded, right? So I leaned into that. And maybe that's not an actual feeling on the emotional scale, but that was what came up to me. So I said, okay, I leaned into that. And then I talked to my feelings. Same thing, right? Eyes closed, hands on your heart. Reserved. Why are you here? Why are you here? And then I journal about it. And then I ask, well, what do you need? What do you need from me? Because clearly you're here for a reason. What do you need to feel safe to leave my body? And then I really lean into that. And it's all about, again, it's forming that trust with yourself. So when you start allowing yourself the space and the time to feel those feelings and process what you need to process and you become more connected with yourself, you start learning how to listen to your intuition. And it's like you said, you don't really get it until you get it. I mean, but surrounding myself with the community that I did, learning those tools and taking it all in, being curious about it, allowing myself to be curious about it and thinking, oh, let me try this. Maybe that doesn't work for me, but let me pivot and try this. So a lot of quiet space too, like meditating. And I've also really dabbled in hypnosis. Hypnosis has actually been a really huge contribution to my healing because that really allowed me to heal a lot of that childhood trauma, learning where a lot of my anger came from as a child and why I might still feel anger about some things today, breath work. So again, allowing yourself to be curious about different modalities like that. Yes, it sounds a little woo, but quite honestly, there's a lot of scientific research that backs up the benefits of these different modalities and how they really help to regulate your nervous system. And so when you can start regulating your nervous system, 
you can really then get out of your head and get back into your body. And I think that's the big thing is getting out of your head again, because not all thoughts are fact, right? So getting out of your head, getting back into your body and becoming one and yeah, just allowing yourself the space to do that. It's uncomfortable. It's incredibly uncomfortable. Nobody likes to do it, but it's, I think it's just so important. Well, I think we don't like to do it when there's uncomfortable things, but I literally was tearing up when you were talking because it is so beautiful to think of myself as a person and to treat myself, just listening to you talk about asking, why am I feeling reserved? Why is this coming up? What do you need? Like, we beg other people to treat us with respect and pay us attention and give us space and time. And then we don't give it to ourselves and realizing that is the key. And I encourage anybody who's listening you don't have to feel it and you probably won't feel it in the beginning. But if you start showing up for yourself and even fake it till you make it, say nice things. Like I encourage, I do this. I encourage my clients look in the mirror and say, I love you. You're a badass. Console yourself. Oh, that is hard. Instead of that shouldn't be hard for you. You're whatever. Like the inner critic realizing that you have the power to make your body and mind a safe place to be. And you're the only one that can do it. All the good relationships, all the money, all the security in the world will never make you feel safe if you are living with a nasty, shameful, shrew voice in your head. And so I just, that was so powerful to listen to you speak about it because I've experienced the same thing. And it's just nice walking through the day, treating myself like a friend. Do you want to have lunch now? Do you want to go to the grocery and make yourself a salad instead of, oh, blah, blah. just treating myself like I would a guest. Can I make you something? I'm willing to go to the store for you. And then feeling that love, giving and receiving that love. I think with your personal relationship, realizing it is a two-way dialogue and you're not crazy, that's actually how it's done. It's super important. And then the other thing I heard that I wanted to just pinpoint is that you didn't do this all on your own with a pen and paper. Exposing yourself to a coach, accountability, ideas, guidance, regular, consistent effort in a community where everybody's talking about this and putting language to their relationships with their self and what's underneath your anger. Like those are not conversations we have around a water cooler. And the biggest gift you can give yourself is to put yourself in line to receive that kind of open, a different perspective, that this is actually the pursuit of happiness, not checking all the boxes, accomplishing all the things and getting all the money. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yes. I now look at abundance so differently. Abundance to me used to mean wealth. And again, ch checking off the boxes, right? Really hanging my hat on my worth, my self-worth on how much did I get done today? My productivity. What do people think of me? Now, abundance to me is love and it's love for myself too. And that's such a beautiful thing. I've always had such a hard time with self-love. And now that I'm so much more connected with myself, I'm more open to having that love for myself. There's a saying out there, and I used to hear this all the time. I didn't really know what it meant until 
I started down this journey, but we teach others how to treat us. Yes. So it really all starts with ourselves. If we can't treat ourselves with respect, how can we expect anybody else to treat us with respect? Right. And, and yeah, I think the biggest thing too, that I really want to hone in on is it can seem overwhelming when you really want to start, when you really want to, and it can seem so overwhelming. I don't know where to start. There's so much to work on. Don't look at it big picture because Mm -hmm. it'll evolve exactly how it's meant to evolve. You just got to take that one step forward at a time. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so important to know. Don't don't let the overwhelm get in your way and stop you from starting. Yeah. Just start somewhere, one small micro step at a time. Yeah. Just setting the intention. I want to have like I'm listening to these two ladies talk about how they love themselves. That's one of the options. And just saying, I want that. Okay. So that's your goal. And then asking the question, how? And continuing to try continuing to expose yourself to different things, not giving up because the first time you don't end up crying out of love for yourself, which you actually, when I look at myself and do eye contact in the mirror, I tear up every time. Like I feel overwhelming sense of love, acceptance, and pride for myself. And you probably, you may not feel that on the first time and that may not work for you at all, but can setting the goal, okay, I think my life would be better if I had whatever, I'll have what they're having. (laughs) Yeah. And then just like you said, put it on the calendar, make that time and space and little by little, it's one self-help book. It's one support group. It's one podcast at a time that you do this. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's the best thing. I think that's why we're here as humans. I don't think we're going to get a t-shirt that says I win capitalism and now I don't have to die. I think we're here to learn how to love ourselves Mm -hmm. and to remove the conditions that we place on ourselves of our worthiness. And when we do that, we're able to remove them and love other people unconditionally as well. And that's what we're all searching for ultimately is love. Love. Yes. Love and connection. I mean, connection is one of our core human needs. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. I also want to, I just wanted to comment too on how you said you look at yourself in the mirror. I do that now too. And and to your point at first, it was very uncomfortable. And I actually took this from someone else in my community and I'm like, I like that. And I'm going to do that. I actually put a picture of my toddler self of me as a toddler (gasps) on my mirror. And because we are all just our younger selves inside, right? And so when we are saying those, when we have those negative thoughts inside and we're talking so harshly about ourselves to ourselves, we're talking to that younger version of ourselves. We are berating that younger version. And so for all of you mothers out there, I'm going to start tearing up, but would you talk to your child that way? No, you wouldn't. And so why talk to yourself that way? Right. And so I did that. I put a picture of myself as a toddler on my mirror. And that was where I started with that is I started talking to her and I would praise her and give her love and kindness and show her that affection and speak affirmations to her until I was able to look myself in the face, 
my face like in the mirror and look at, like you said, look at my eyes and really deeply connect it with myself. Now I can pass by the mirror instead of body shaming myself. I'm like, damn girl, you looking good today. <laughs> and you have to do that. You have to, I mean, life is too freaking short. It's too short yeah. to sabotage ourselves of the joy that we are ultimately le- meant to live by. That's our birthright. Yeah. It truly is. I do the same when I catch myself feeling old or whatever. I go right to the mirror and I'm like, don't you let anybody tell you that you are anything but beautiful and amazing. And I love the way you look at your age and you're going to just get better looking as you get older. So watch out world. And we really can give this gift to ourselves. So Kim, I want to thank you for coming on today. Can you tell our listeners where to find your podcast and anything else you want to share about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Colleen. I am most active on Instagram at running on grit. So funny, right? Running on grit. There's that productivity again. But yes, it's running.on.grit at running on grit. That's where I'm most active. That's where everybody can find me. And my podcast is Redefining Anger. Apologies for the dog in the background. But yes, Redefining Anger. It's available on most platforms. I also have a link for it in my my Instagram as well. And so professionally, like I said at the beginning of the call, I am a strategic pitching professional. I help, I support primarily female entrepreneurs with their business needs and expanding their reach and their visibility. And so you can find stuff about that on my Instagram page as well. I've got links in my bio. But one of the things I have that I'm actually, I have my first session next week. And these are going to happen monthly going forward, but I'm hosting free pitching meetups, just an hour of connection time for female entrepreneurs, like-minded women to come together and to learn a little something about pitching. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got some insecurities about pitching yourself. Maybe you're just not sure where to start and you want to start somewhere, but just to learn a little something. And then also just an opportunity to connect with other women too. It's a great time for collaboration. Is it just for podcasters or do you mean just female business owners in general? Fem- yeah, that's a great pitching question. Networking. Yep. Female business owners in general, and it's for all pitching, right? So not just podcast pitching, but pitching to any kind of collaboration, right? So if you want to promote a product, a service, you want to get yourself on a stage somewhere to speak publicly, newspaper publication, perhaps anything like that. Pitching is so incredibly crucial to any business strategy, really. And there's a lot to it. And so that, I just love of providing value. And so I just, I'm offering my time for an hour every month for women to come together and- I might have to sign up for that, (laughs) but I'll give you a little shout out. We've been working together three months and- I'll, I will say it's an it's a long term relationship. We are not nowhere near done, but I've really enjoyed and been impressed by your skills and your strategies. And so I'm excited to continue working with you. And you're worth you're worth it you. because it takes so much time to do this and giving ourselves support. I support myself with you and several other business coaches and things. And I just, I can't do it by myself. And I don't want to because I like myself too much to berate myself for not knowing everything. You just can't. Thank you so much. And I hope listeners go check out the podcast. I'll put all of Kim's information in the show notes. And thanks for listening. Thank you, Colleen. All right. 
That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to come back on Thursday for the special episode I'm releasing with hypnotherapist Rita Black. We're going to be talking about what the hell to do about nighttime eating and how to interrupt that pattern. And then if you have not yet hit the subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. When you hit the subscribe button, I get credit for your download, whether or not you listen to the episode, you know, right when it comes out or not. And that does so much for my growth and my numbers that allow me then to show up in search results for people looking for podcasts like mine. And so it's a great way to support the show without doing too much. So I appreciate you hitting the subscribe button. Thank you in advance. And I also appreciate any efforts that you make to share the show. If you are not on my email list, I send an email out about the show every single Monday. And I got to tell you, I love writing those emails. They are fun and worth reading. And so if you're not on my email list, get in the show notes and subscribe. I do not spam you. I send one email a week and it's always a story that may or may not be tied to the podcast episode for the week, but I give helpful tips and strategies on emotional sobriety and all of the things that we're needing to do to change our beliefs and step into a new identity. So get on my email list if you're not. Forward the emails if you want to share that with any of your people. And just know that being on my email list is a great way to connect with me. I appreciate those of you that reply to those emails. You can reply. They're not one of those things where if you reply, it's like autoresponder or whatever. I, I will read and listen to any of your emails. So if you have questions or feedback or suggestions for new episodes, just send me an email. I really like connecting with you and I appreciate those of you that take the time to let me know that an episode landed or resonated resonated or what follow-up questions you have. Another way to connect with me if you're not following me on Instagram is to follow me at, at Recover with Colleen on Instagram. I create content every single day. Um, some of them are fun dancing videos, but a lot of them are 90 seconds of mental health work and steps that you can take if you are working on being in recovery from whatever your issue. It doesn't have to be drinking. So follow me on Instagram if you're interested in staying connected with me. And you can also DM me there if you ever have any questions. So that's it for this week. I'll see you on Thursday for our special episode. Take care.